This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. That is Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. And Logan, we got a game to preview. We do, man. Who would have thought? Felt like it was never going to come, but here we are, you know? So here we are. And uh, for those that uh, missed the announcement on social media, first, a bit of housekeeping. The Take Command pregame show returns this Sunday. And. It is going to be live on the road for the first time, uh, and that will be our new home for the season at Tap Sports Bar at MGM National Harbor, so you can come hang out with me and Logan. And actually, people, really, Logan, could come hang out for like the first hour of the show on the way to the game. It's really not that far from FedEx Field, which is a good thing for us because we are both going to FedEx Field after we get done (laughs) with said broadcast. I didn't know that. What are you doing over there? Are you doing something over there? I just want to go, man. Like, oh, I, I mean, you. you know, not to not to get too deep into the preview before we're done with the housekeeping, but like the biggest storyline on Sunday is the fact that this is a sellout. And like yeah. the story in no matter what happens on the field is this is the first game of the Josh Harris era, uh, yeah. the Josh Harris, uh, you know, Mitchell Rails, Magic Johnson era, which feels relevant as I know you sat down with Magic a little earlier yeah. today. People <laughs> that can, was a trip. <laughs> yeah, people can check that out on uh, on Command Center when, when that goes out on YouTube. So, um, you know, Maybe we'll do actually. Let's do take five on that today. You're sitting down <laughs> with magic, yeah. um, so we'll do that uh, after after this. But um, like the story to me on Sunday is is the crowd and like what it's going to be like and the enthusiasm yeah. and the first sellout. So yeah, I'm going. I'm going because I want to be there because that's where the story nice. is. That's where the event is. That's cool. Yeah, no, I got you. And I'll be there because I'm doing post game show after, and then we'll be doing our. I think we're doing a podcast afterwards, right? So right, a lot of talking so, about this game. Yes. Day. So I'll while while you do your uh, your podcast or not your podcast, your post game for the team uh, in the immediate aftermath of the game, I will be trying to navigate the traffic out of FedEx say. Field and you get home. Well and hopefully, <laughs> I will be home and ready to go by the time that you uh, you finish up, and then we can we can do ours. Which, by the way, we should mention uh, to finish up the housekeeping here. Everything's going to be streamed live, um, not yeah. just uh, the pregame, which obviously is live on the radio on the Team 980 and 106.7 The Fan. The simulcast is back, but we will be streaming on both YouTube channels. Um, I'm working on getting us streaming on Facebook, too. So um, Twitter, like we're going to be everywhere. If you can stream video somewhere, basically we'll be there. Um, a Twitch coming eventually as well. But um, yeah, like we're pretty pumped about that. And then, you no, know, last year what we do, Logan, is you and I would uh, get together post game 
and and do a pod pretty quickly. And uh, our producer, Nick, did a phenomenal job of turning that around incredibly quickly and getting it out. This year, we're not even going to wait. We're just going to say, hey, screw it. Come on, watch <laughs> us live. Uh, the post-game pod, you can obviously, you can consume it as a podcast, as you always do. It'll be out uh, first thing Monday morning and yada, yada, yada. But if you want to watch us live post-game, um, probably like an hour, hour and a half after the game, depending on you know what kind of what our game day schedules are, uh, we will be live. So that is why you should subscribe uh, to 106.7 The Fans YouTube page and the Team 980's YouTube page. When one of the channels you're subscribed to goes live, you get an alert on your phone, uh, so you'll know exactly when we go live, as long as you have the YouTube app installed, bada-bing, bada-bam, and whether you watch us on your phone, your tablet, uh, your smart TV, I think is probably the easiest way. Get it nice, nice and big. We're just projected on people's walls in the living room, Logan. Uh, so you can check that out on your favorite streaming platform. Okay, uh, with the housekeeping done and out of the way, we got a game to talk about. Yeah, let's um, talk about it. It is a game against the Arizona Cardinals which is going to be the easiest game on any team schedule, theoretically, all year long, any team yep. that's facing Arizona. That said, it's the NFL. These are pros. Uh, when you look at the Cardinals' offense and this commander's defense, which has incredibly high hopes, like what do you think you're going to see in, in year one with a whole new scheme? And you know, we obviously know Jonathan Gannon is probably going to do some similar stuff to what he did in Philadelphia defensively, but what do we think this offense looks like with, by the way, a quarterback who got no reps, no matter who it is, got basically no first-team reps all spring and summer long. Yeah, I think this is going to be really interesting. And so let's just talk about high level, like what kind of offense do I think they're going to be running? And I think when you look at the offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing, he is a guy that comes directly from Cleveland. He was the quarterback coach there. He's now the OC here. And when you look at Cleveland, I think they are a very kind of – very in the mold of what I would call like a Kyle Shanahan offense. And and that's I'm using that as kind of a colloquial term for this offense that is heavy play action, heavy rushing attack. Um, they do have some kind of innovative stuff they do from a from a drop back passing standpoint, but they in a perfect world they wouldn't want to live in it. And I think when you look at the way that the Arizona roster is constructed, I think it fits that mold. And when you look at the preseason game, um, you know, the I was able to watch the first preseason game and some of the second I think you see flavors of that already. So what some flavors that kind of to be aware of is you're going to see multiple different personnel groupings. You're going to see 22. You're going to see 13. You're going to see 11. You're going to see all of these different kind of allocations of, of personnel. And um, I do think when you look historically at this commander's defense, they, I don't say they've struggled, but they haven't played well against that Cleveland rushing attack, you know, and it's, we've talked about this a little bit before, um, they do, and I, this might be a Callahan thing, so it'll be really interesting to see if the run game coordinator carries some of these concepts over. But like they run a lot of what I, what I call bounce or big bounce or like out, it's basically outside zone where like let's say I've got a three technique. I'm playing over the outside shoulder of the guard. I'm going to get a down block from the tackle, and then that guard is going to pull and run to the perimeter as kind of like a fullback, so to speak. So it's, so it's a little bit of a, a twist on like a pin-pull concept. A little bit of a twist on a pin pull concept, and just taking people, it inside. A lot of times, pin pull is like you know you have your your receiver come down from the slot or a tight end, kind of do that pin, but yeah. it's kind of taking that same like you know in like a cousin you know call it a second cousin sure. of like a trap play where you're right. you're kind of using some of the defense's aggression and and what they're trying to do against them. Yes, yeah, so like in a true outside zone, I would be you know if I'm let's say I'm the tight end. Let's just take that. I'm working at six. What? A, whoa! Hey, whoa! You relax everyone, there. calm down. Everyone, calm down. Why would you um, do that? And so, and I'm working a combination on a six. 
I can work an outside zone combination where I'm taking the outside half, the tackle stick, and the inside half, and we're working the linebacker. Sometimes it's cleaner just for me to block down on the six and the tackle to pull around. We're going to the same guys, but it just changes the front. And so what I will say when you look at Cleveland, and I think you know fans remember in the first Cleveland game, they had that really long run to Elijah Moore. Does that sound correct? Elijah Moore, um, it was like a 30-yard gain. That sounds right. We're going to go with that until Craig figures, sure. until Craig figures it out. But I, my, so, I've, I've already flushed the Browns preseason depth chart from my memory, but right. I'll, uh, I'll look it up real quick. So they, you know, they, they run a pin, a pull, and they pull, you know, the front side guard, and the back side guard, or they'll pull the front side guard, the center, and maybe even the back side tackle. And what that does, I think that's really challenging, is it adds gaps to the front side of the run in a run game, in the run game, which can be really challenging for guys to fit. So when you look at the first preseason game, you know, Cody Barton misfits that run. When you look at the preseason game last year, Nick Chubb has a huge run. I want to say it's like the 15th play of the game on a scheme that we're describing, right? And again, it's it's not like this is like a really crazy novel scheme, but you just don't see a lot of people running it this way anymore, right? And so I think that's something that, again, I would kind of be aware of. Also, a big feature of that offense is the quarterback has to be really smart in terms of you know, which direction do we want the run to go. Because when you're running these pin-pull schemes, you want to run them into very specific looks. You don't want to run them into just kind of generic, oh, like whatever the defense is lined up. And we're trying to attack spacing in the defense to give our guys the best uh, opportunity to succeed. So when I look at Drew Petzing, I think they didn't show a lot in the preseason. They showed a lot of kind of your traditional, hey, running inside zone with a fullback. We're running a little bit of outside zone. We're running power, running counter. Like those, to me, are like the most basic runs you're going to see. I think they've probably got something in the bag, and I'm sure Petzing watched the first preseason game. I'm sure he's watching that game from week 17 last year and saying, what hurt them? And I'm sure Jack is doing the same thing. So, But I would say like just as like a high-level thing, those kind of unique rushes, the runs, the gap schemes, the counters, all that kind of stuff, just be aware of that as a fan when you're watching. Because, again, like this team – um, is very, very talented, but it does challenge some of your rules in terms of how you're fitting stuff. So I think just kind of be aware of that. Also, heavy play action, heavy play action, heavy keeper. So keeper is a little bit different than play action for me. Play action is when I sell the run, but I'm kind of setting up behind the offensive line in a pocket, right? They do that mm-hmm. quite a bit, and that's where in the game last year you saw a couple explosive plays happen on that, specifically the last touchdown where, you know, Cam and Forrest, or Cam's not even playing, but Forrest doesn't rotate on the crosser and ends up being a touchdown. Um, I think, um, I don't remember who the touchdown was. It doesn't matter. So, but that's a big part. And then also keeper where I'm selling the run, but I'm vacating the pocket away from the direction of the run where the quarterback becomes a runner and then usually has a three-level throw in front of him. And so thing I want to call attention to is in both of those situations, the position that's going to be really, really stressed is the linebackers. The linebackers, the nickel, like those guys in that underneath coverage are going to have a, a heavy, heavy challenge in terms of what, where they fit the run, these unusual runs, where they fit in terms of pass concept, and then how they match some of these deeper play action concepts. That's interesting um, because that Cleveland game, obviously, I think we all think of the other side of the ball, but there's some definite frustration because of what happened with Wentz and the sure. poor performance of the offense last year. But um, there were definitely some big plays last year. And you do have to wonder, right, You know, with Petsing being the quarterback's coach, like how much of that run game does translate because Callahan sure. is so in charge of it in Cleveland. Um, yeah, but, right, absolutely. you know, sometimes, you know, like sometimes – 
passing game coordinators are really weird about some of their stuff where they're like, no, sure. I do not want to do the, the running game thing. And, you know, you wind up with a mismatched offense. We, there was that, that happened here. Um, while Callahan was here, in fact, yeah. uh, multiple times, but, um, that's, that's definitely interesting that the linebackers will be so stressed. Now it's of course worth mentioning that, you know, if John Allen just beats someone inside linebackers aren't going to get stressed because he's going to be in the yeah. backfield. The, the, the defensive line can always, I don't want to say cover for, but always blow up any individual play and everything else is, is rendered moot. Um, so you certainly want to hope that, that Allen one is healthy and ready to go as he's continuing to battle that plantar fasciitis. We're recording this at, a little after noon on Wednesday. So we haven't actually seen the injury report yet, but with Allen battling at plantar fasciitis, you know, can he stay healthy? Can he stay out there? But obviously pain, um, you know, sweat is such a good run player. We'll see, you know, how, how effective those guys can be. But if the linebackers are stressed, like I think that's a nerve wracking thing for commanders fans because Barton did not have the greatest preseason. Um, you know, Jamin was getting up to speed, getting up to speed. It feels like he got there by the end. Uh, but then yeah. also, I think it, it matters uh, how the secondary is deployed. Like, who's going to sure. be in that that nickel spot, whether it's Buffalo or, or you know, regular nickel, sure. or, or is Khalid Hudson out there? Like, do they play a little yeah. bit more base? Um, I, I think there's the good news is there op, there's options. The bad news is I don't know that any of them make you go up. Oh, cool, problem solved. Yeah, and I think the other thing, like when you're talking about like coordinators, you know, like we're kind of projecting what they're going to do. The O line coach, mm -hmm. by the way, is uh, Clayton Adams. He was in Indianapolis. They don't do as much of that pin pull kind of oddness as they do, but it was because they have Quentin Nelson. You know, they're going to use his skill set as much as they can. They do pull him quite a bit. So it is it is in his background, but not with the same level of detail that it is with Bill Callahan, as an example. Sure. Um, but so I will say that, like, um, you know, one of the things about scheme and translating it is like offensive personnel, right? And so when you look at Arizona, you say, like you mentioned Clayton Toon, Josh Dobbs. I, I personally think Josh Dobbs will probably start again. We're recording this on Wednesday. Yeah, you'd have to think. But right. you know, then again, who knows? Who knows? Jonathan Gannon uh, seems he's, to be a bit of a wild card he's out there. Doing, he's, doing, he's doing a wacky bit every day of his life. Um, yeah. But so what I would say is that, like, you know, wh where does this team's strength lie? And then to me, what I'm thinking is, like, obviously we mentioned linebackers are going to struggle. But I, if I'm this coach and I'm a defensive-minded head coach, you better believe I'm going to run the heck out of the football, right? And I'm going to make you stop the run. And then that's going to lead to some of this keeper play action stuff. But hopefully the offensive playbook is so restricted by the personnel at the quarterback position. Now, that's not been the report since Josh Dobbs has got there. You know, he's been in Cleveland's system now for the entire offseason. He knows the system very well. So I would expect there to be maybe not such a steep learning curve, but I would expect it to be a relatively simplistic game plan, you know, as, as far as that goes, which again is going to help the linebackers and the defense and the secondary kind of find their role. And I'm not saying that we think – I don't think either one of us think Arizona is going to win this game. But I do no. think that this is a very – this is a very challenging first game of the year. You know, like in the sense that it's a new staff, new personnel, lots of question marks about what they're going to be. And there's like this existing history or this existing precedent of the schemes that are coming in giving you problems in the past. So it's like, how much of that are they going to do? Can they do a lot of it? Are we going to over prep the wrong stuff? Or, you know, are we going to... This is week one, though. Yeah. Like, it's, you it's just true. don't know. But I think also, like, you know, for, for most teams, like when you're playing Philly, for example, like if we were playing sure. Philly week one, it's like, we know what they're going to do. They're going to run some RPO. They're going to put the ball in Jalen Hurts' hand. He's going to hurt you as a runner. They're going to be great on fourth down, right? That's who they are. And I think now, 
not so much. Like it's a little bit more of a question again because you're kind of bringing in different philosophies. I I told you what I think is going to happen. If I was them, I'd say let's look at that Cleveland game. What hurt them? Let's run those runs. Let's look at the Cleveland preseason game. What hurt them? Let's run those runs and then let the chips fall where they may, kind of thing. And and again, like I'm that that would be my approach. I don't know if I'm the smartest OC in the world, but I I know traditionally play action pass hurts this team and that unusual run scheme. So why not lean into that, especially when you're a team who's like kind of undermatched? Is it would be my thought. Yeah, definitely. Um, and by the way, Elijah Moore checks out. Good memory there. Uh, it was an Good, 18 yard you. run. Um, just figure we'd start since we kind of circle back to it, circle back and confirm there. Um, I, I think if I'm Jack, though, I'm like, all right, go ahead. Um, I, I think Figure the biggest out, thing yeah. for this team is do not give up explosives. Like, 100%. if if 100%. the Arizona Cardinals are going to beat you with five 15 play drives, then go ahead. Good. Like, be our good guest. We do not think that you are good enough from a personnel standpoint to do that. And we think we are better from a personnel standpoint. So the, the greater the sample size of plays, the the better chance that something wacky isn't going to happen that, you know, eventually it will regress to the mean, if you will. And the average sure. of the two sides here is advantage commander's defense compared to the Cardinals offense. They've got 100%. some good personnel like Marquise Brown, like don't lose him. You want to give up an explosive, let Hollywood just run free. Um, you know, they've, they've got a couple of guys that Michael, that can Michael Wilson you. is their third round pick. He's yep. been awesome in the preseason, you know, like a rookie receiver, but there's been a precedent of rookie receivers doing well. I, I think he's, he, I think he can be something good. I don't think he's quite there yet. I, I liked him a lot coming out. He's a good route runner, physical to catch point, big body guy. But again, is he is he a guy that you're scared of? I don't know. Rondell Moore is an interesting one. Again, kind of in that Made from place. that Cleveland option because he's explosive. He runs a four two, but he's not been overly productive coming off an injury last year. The O line to me is kind of interesting because you got DJ Humphreys at left tackle, who's a good player but not a great player. Uh, Elijah Wilkinson at guard, good, not great. Uh, load a fo hold it. I don't even know how to say his name. Fro hold it. I don't, I mean, that's my best shot. So good luck okay. to you. Fold it. Fro hold. Where's fold. what I'm going to go with? Okay. Yeah. He he was the backup to start. They had an injury. He's starting now, right? So Will Hernandez, who was a first former first round pick, really kind of poor career in New York, kind of revitalized last year, and then obviously Paris Johnson, who's the first you know their sixth pick overall in the draft this year. Welcome to the NFL, up. kid. Here's Montez Sweat. And I will say this about him, as I think Paris Johnson is going to be an excellent pro, but I do think he has a hard time with good power rushers, and Montez Sweat is an excellent power yeah. rusher with excellent well, length. And Actually, Montez has been lining up, I feel like, more over left tackle. Um, in training camp, he's been on the right side more, you know, um, okay, because his, his matchup's been Wiley, and Chase has been on the, the left, yeah, left no, tackle. Yeah, that's right. More. That's right. Yeah, because you got to switch it. Offense, defensive, right, all yeah. that kind of stuff. But I, I you was know, he I, close to us? Was he away from us? It's been two and a half weeks, Logan. It's yeah, too much time. It's too much time. So, I, but I do think that again, I think that group is going to be better than the sum of its parts. But like you're going up against, you know, Allen Payne, Sweat, right. maybe Chase. But even if like James or whoever's playing, like that's going to be a matchup that favors this that favors the Commanders 100. percent And especially if a rookie quarterback starting, like that dude holds the ball forever. You know what I mean? Like you watch his film in college, like he holds the ball. He's looking for the big play. That's why I don't think he's going to start. That's why I think you go Josh Dobbs. But it's not like they don't have anybody because it's an NFL roster. But they definitely seem to have prioritized something different in terms of their offseason approach. And it seems like they're projecting for 2024 where they're going to have a ton of draft capital. So 
Well, that's the thing is not only do they have their pick, which very, very easily could be number one overall based off kind of how they're approaching the season, but they also have Houston's pick. Um, yep. So they could have the top two picks in a loaded draft. And then they're gonna, probably going to trade, I would assume, Kyler Murray for probably two firsts. And then think? all of a sudden you have a roadmap that looks very similar to what Philly did when was that when they traded Carson Wentz. So two years ago, three years ago, accrue yeah. a lot of draft capital and – you're going to be a much better football team in 2024. So yeah, maybe Jonathan Gannon's uh, pregame speeches will be better by then too. Maybe, maybe who knows? I, I was never a big toward? guy. I was never a guy who got uh, up or too up or down with a pregame speech from a coach. You never so, just had one that where you looked at a coach and you're like, that was a wacky. Oh, always dude. Like the coaches, cause like they, they got to give a bunch of them, you know, every team meeting that's like kind of like one of those talks a little bit, especially if they're trying to motivate or whatever. And I always appreciated the coaches where they were like, you guys are grown men. Like, y'all know what we got to do. Go get dinner. And you're like, nice. I like this. Sweet. Is what I, this is what I want. <laughs> and then, cause it's yeah. it, like, like the motivational stuff, like early in the week, I'm like, who cares? Like, the, we're not playing until Sunday. So I was always really anti wacky bits. Um, I, Fox, I don't remember any of them specifically, but I remember being in a couple of his meetings just being like, what are we talking about? Like, why is this relevant to what we're doing? And people just looking <laughs> around the room, just like, what? So, but you know, like, and I, and I, I feel for him because again, you got to do a bunch of them. So, but I, I'm like, but you don't, that's the thing. You don't have, you could just, <laughs> you could just do the meeting. Hey guys, right. we're, uh, we're, here's the game plan. Um, yep. hope you're, with, hope you're, you came with your, uh, very nicely, handsomely paid job, uh, prepared to work today. You don't need a speech to get going. That's right. Thanks for hundred percent. Right. hundred percent. Right. I'm with you hundred percent on that. So Yeah. Coaches giving weird speeches, not the first time, won't be the last. I think it's just knowing, hey, man, maybe this isn't my my leadership style. <laughs> I, and my favorite part about all this is that the Cardinals are the ones that put it out. And it's like, yeah. it's in their like YouTube, you know, yeah, docu yeah. like y'all have a command center, which uh, or, or not command center, um, yeah, commander's log, yeah. which is great. Um, the team, the team does a fantastic job, both the, the commanders like as a whole and the, the team specifically that works on that, uh, you yeah. would know all the names. So shout out to, yeah. to all those Joe folks. They do and Nicholas and everybody. Yeah. yeah they do a shout great out job. to, to everyone who does that. The Cardinals team was like, we look at what we got. And <laughs> the internet was like, Oh, <laughs> Oh really? Wow. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and in related news, the yet, Cardinals but... offense, yeah, the Cardinals offense uh, doesn't appear to be that much better, but it's week one, so who knows? We'll see. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. That's Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. If you are not subscribed, now would be a good time. Season's here. Do not miss an episode. We're three times weekly starting next week. Our post game pod Sunday nights, which will be live streamed as well. And then tape review on air in the middle of the week. And then obviously end of the week, we will have a preview of the upcoming game. So week two uh, will be our, our Denver preview pod. That'll come out late in the week next week. Uh, so, commander's offense. This is obviously the biggest question sure. here. And that's actually before we dive into what the Arizona defense looks like in the matchup. Real quick news note that came through this morning, and, and how relevant is it? Commander signed Jamison Crowder to the practice yep. squad, a guy that, that. Uh, I guess you would have crossed with for a, a training yeah. camp. Uh, and I covered his entire career here. Um, yeah. Great, great dude. Uh, one of my favorite guys to cover. Always kind of funny because he looked, uh, he had like an 80 year old man face from the time that he was 21 years old yeah. and still looks the exact same today and will until he's 80. Um, yeah. But Jamison's now 30. Um, he's been a around the league a little bit, had some nice years with the Jets, 
couple of big catches here and there with the Bills, but hasn't been a full-time punt returner in a long time, hasn't really been a full-time receiver in a long time, been more towards the end of rosters. Is this something that, you know, is is a is actually worth paying attention to, or is it just a splashy headline for a veteran on the practice squad and it's splashy because he's been here before? I mean, I think I think it's important. I think it's a guy who is kind of like that twitchy, sure-handed guy that I think a lot of people have been calling for as the punt returner. And, you know, I think he's a guy that, you know, he fills one of those, uh, you know, veteran practice squad roles. Great. And if something were to happen at punt returner, and I think also like the Kaz Allen thing plays a role in this a little bit. You're not, shows you're not 100% confident in him. Something happens to Dax, then you got a guy. You're ready to go. And maybe Dax doesn't produce the way you want him to produce. And now you've definitely got a guy, right? Or supposedly. I mean, at least to me, it's at least worth kicking the tires on. You know, I, I'm a big fan of 100%. Jameson Crowder, really good football player, all those things, right? But, you know, what is the old adage like time waits for no man, right? So like, where is he at at this point in his career? How healthy is he? How consistent can he be here? I don't know, but at least he's in the building now and you can watch him every day in practice and say, Oh, he's in good shape. He can do what we need him to do. And in a pinch or, or maybe he, he beats stacks out. I don't know. You know what I mean? But that's kind of what you've, that's kind of what I wonder what this affords you. You know, yeah, can can he beat Dax out? Like yeah. he is a savvy route runner. Um, he's he's got great short area, or he had great short area quickness. Yep. Obviously, I haven't seen him in person in a while. Um, but you know, if if Dax is just kind of this, I don't know, um, replacement level version, can Crowder in this offense and as a punt returner be Plus. more than that? Yeah. And you now get a chance to see that up close every day in your building. They run the same routes in practice. They do the same stuff, and whoever does it better is ultimately going to get called up. And you can put Dax right back on the practice squad, likely, if he wants to, yeah. to sign with you on on the practice squad. So um, I, I think I, that's going to be interesting to watch. I don't know about for this week, but by next so. week. Because um, the other it, thing, too, is uh, just real quick, like yeah. housekeeping-ish type of thing. Isn't it when you sign like a vested veteran after week one, you don't have to guarantee their contract for the season? So if Correct. you get through this week with him on the practice squad, sign him next week then you could move on at any time without having to pay a salary the rest of the season, which is helpful. Um, obviously, it's less money out of Josh Harris's pocket, but also from a cap perspective, you don't you don't cost yourself the sure. rest of the season of his salary. So in that way, it makes sense to potentially wait a week as well. 100%. And also, I think it's just a good trial period. You know, like, does he, like, how is he in the meetings? How is he catching punts? Like, all those things you want to see. Because, like, you know, I was here in the parking lot the other day, and I saw him pull up. I was like, oh, is that Jameson? Whatever. And then, like, he just walked right back out. So I don't think he actually did, like, a tryout. I think he just got a physical and then bounced, you know. Um, yeah. So, like, they probably want to just make sure everything's good. And that's very common practice. Like, when I got cut and, and signed in Houston, for example, um, like, I did the same thing. I didn't go to, like, run a 40 or hit a bag. It was like, hey, man, take your physical. Feel okay? All right, you're on the team. So I think that's probably kind of what you're looking at here. And then the, that, that week of practice is kind of where they get their evaluation where do you fit? What's your role going to be? How are you picking up the book? All that kind of stuff. And you know, they probably do their homework on that. And people here probably still know him. There's a couple of people in the building that the Chad obviously knows him and stuff like that. So I think that's that. This just makes a lot of sense. I don't think don't expect any like crazy moves this week, kind of for what you said. And also like maybe it's not the right fit. Maybe after this week they feel like it's not the right move, and they go in a different direction. But um, I, I think it's good to get a guy like that with his skill set in the building and just see if it elevates the team. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. No doubt. All right, so that leads us to the guys that will be playing this week. How does this commander's offense match up against a Cardinals defense that we expect to look similar schematically sure. to what the Eagles ran? Uh, obviously, last year has some talented players on it. Buda Baker, who's you know obviously as good as it gets in the entire league. Zayvon Collins, good young player who's had, had some nice uh, moments in the NFL. Sure. Other spots on the roster, uh, probably some 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 building blocks to be acquired in the future. But yeah. uh, what what do you like? What does a Jonathan Gannon defense look like, and how do the Commanders match up? So Jonathan Gannon is a guy that I've always associated as playing like softer coverage shells. You know, like a little bit. There's a little bit of like match principle to it, but I just tend to think of him as being a little bit more conservative. And if you look at his time in Philadelphia, like. They had a really great defensive line. You could be a little bit more conservative, rely on that group to make some plays. And um, and then obviously you had uh, Bradbury and Slay in the back end that could do some of that match stuff at a high level, but also could play that zone with eyes to the quarterback and get their hands on the football and create turnovers. So after watching the preseason, I, I would expect this group, because the front's not as talented, to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of how often he's calling man, how often he's calling match, how often he's calling zone match, and how often he's bringing pressure. Because one of the things that we've talked about is like if you can't generate pressure with four, you need to either simulate pressure or you need to bring blitzes, right? So I think you're going to see a lot of that. Obviously, it's Gannon's defense. He's not the defensive coordinator. Um, he's he like so he won't be calling the defense necessarily. Uh, he might be calling, but the guy that's installing it is another guy, the linebacker coach from Philly. Um, and so what I think is really interesting is when you say, well, when was the last time that this offense or this defense, excuse me, went up against this offense or this this installation of the offense. It was obviously the Super Bowl. So I went back and rewatched the Super Bowl. And, you know, Gannon was kind of on script there. You know, he was a little bit more conservative in terms of coverage shell, relied on the defensive line quite a bit. I thought Kansas City did a really nice job of getting in and out of certain personnels. Because at, at its base, at its core, Philly or Philly, this Gannon defense is a 3-4, right? They want big bodies in the middle four linebackers, two edge-setting kind of rush players, whereas Zayvon Collins moved from an inside-the-box player to an edge player is kind of more of a pass rusher, right? But when you see that, you can manipulate that, especially if they're matching your personnel, right? So I I thought um, when I watched the game, uh, you know, 
Andy Reid did a great job of saying, hey, we're in 12 personnel with Travis Kelsey on the field. They're going to match in four down. That helps our protection rules. That helps us run the football and kind of finding stuff like that. Also, the coverage structures are really conservative. And again, if you look at um, Kansas City's offense, there's not like a burner there. Like their best player is Travis Kelsey. So it was an interesting decision to move to some of these more conservative shells. But the thing I thought was really interesting is as a changeup, I kind of when they had to have it, they'd get in these really tight coverage shells with maybe a, like a simulated pressure. And the tighter coverage shells were just enough to throw off Patrick Mahomes, right? And so my question is when you're looking at some of these um, some of these coverage variations is how you prep a young quarterback for those moments. Because really what you're hoping is that the quarterback is surprised, makes a bad throw, the ball's turned over. Because say what you want about the secondary. You mentioned Buda Baker. Obviously, Wilson is their other corner that's a very good football player, a guy that, I, in my opinion, is kind of underrated. And he's on a bad defense, so no one's talking about him. But him and then um, – the, the rookie out of Utah is the other guy that's playing corner for him. They are very opportunistic in terms of getting their hands on the football. So they're not slaying bat Bradbury, but if I'm, I'm calling a good defensive game, I show the quarterback one thing a couple times, then make a switch, bring a pressure. What's young Sam Howell going to do? So in terms of shape and complexity, I don't think there's anything here that you say, oh my gosh, it's not like they're playing the Giants week one where it's like it's going to be bombs over Baghdad. There's going to be, you know, really aggressive man coverage. We're going to really be challenged from how we protect stuff and really put a lot on the quarterback's fight. It's not like that. It's way more conservative. I do expect it to be a little bit more aggressive than what you saw in Philly because, again, the personnel's not there. Like you're going to need to blitz. You're going to need to um, kind of play more aggressive match coverage because I don't think you've got enough really, really talented players like in zone schemes, right? You'll see it but I would expect a higher percentage of those other two things. So, you know, I think, um, I think when you look at the, the Kansas city game as an example, obviously there's some things and some tendencies that EB is aware of that he can exploit and he exploited that in those, in those games or that in those games. And I always wonder like, you know, if you're the defensive coordinator, like how much emphasis do you spend on making sure that was corrected? Or do you say, Oh, that was a one-off kind of issue. So, I'm really excited to watch that side of the football from the EB, Jonathan Gannon kind of head-to-head matchup. But I'm also excited to see, like, what does Jonathan Gannon do to kind of lift up this average personnel? Because you can't do what he was doing in Philly because you don't have the horses. Defenses can play simple coverage structures when you've got horses up front and horses in the back end. He doesn't have that anymore. So what is his adjustment? He's been very vocal in the media the last couple of days, basically saying, like, I don't believe in a scheme. One particular scheme, I believe in fitting the scheme to the players. So in the preseason, again, a little bit more match coverage, but what is what is the, what is the big picture change? I'm really curious to see. No doubt. Um, I think it's really important in every game this year, but especially in this one when you have the better personnel, I think, especially on the outside, like how do the commanders dictate the game? Yeah. You know, how, how do they use some of the things that have been these huge emphasis or emphases? I think that's the plural of emphasis because it's emphases. not emphasis uh, the emphases in camp um, of tempo, right? Of, yeah. of distributing the ball in a certain way to have the, the defense always feel like they're on their heels. And I think when you have a team playing its first game for real in a, what will be, a little bit of a, I mean, it's always, you know, different when the other side of the ball is on the field. It's more of a hostile environment when the defense is out there for the home team because you want your you know, your crowd to calm down. Uh, but kind of the, the energy of the stadium is going to feel hostile towards yeah. Arizona, you know, and, and it's this big moment. 
how does a young team with a lot of a uh, lot of potential, let's say, uh, nice way of saying not a ton of developed talent, um, <laughs> react. And so, obviously, the commanders have a lot of that as well, like starting yeah. at the quarterback position, but also Sam Cosme, his first game uh, at right guard. You know, how do, how do some of these young players on the offensive line, Sadiq Charles, obviously, at the other side, react? Um, Andrew Wiley's first game with a new team. Like, there's going to be nerves and everything everywhere. Um, it's, it's game one. You have those butterflies, all, all that kind of stuff. But... How do the commanders, you know, no pun intended, take command of the game? How do they, how do they ultimately, I was like, can I find another way to say this? No, I'm just going to roll with it. Um, how do they dictate based off of, you know, their tempo, their play sure. calls to this Arizona defense and leave Gannon like kind of scrambling to retrofit a solution uh, in the middle of a game? That, that to me is what's going to be the key for Washington because the alternative to that is, how second guessing himself and you know all the, all the questions are looming you know that that have been looming in the background bubble up you know can the offensive line protect like these are the kinds of things that are going to you know kind of come to the surface and the the emotions of the game get to you if they're taking it to you a little bit and you have these questions that you feel confident in going into the game and all of a sudden maybe there's a little bit of doubt that creeps in so i i do think it's important for be enemy to manage the game, but I think he's more than capable. And and I anticipate seeing, you know, heavy dose of run play action, the RPOs, getting the ball, the extensions of the run game stuff, quick game. Like I expect to see a lot of that early to kind of establish like, Hey, this is who we are. We're here time to get this rhythm. Yeah. And then eventually you open it up for some deeper shots later on in the game. Yeah. I remember there was something Kyle was used to about finding the quarterback an easy touch early in the game, you know, find whatever it is just to help them settle in. I think that's kind of what you're alluding to there in terms yeah. of approach. Um, so yeah, also you know, the I, offensive line too. Like, you know, your early yeah. touch equivalent is like, Hey, let's run the ball a little bit. Even if it's not, um, if it's not Ideal. super successful, yeah. like let's let our guys get firing off the ball a little bit and hit as opposed to having a pass set and be hit. Yeah, because there is something I will say to like kind of get in that first big run block in the game because it lets you kind of, kind of, I don't want to say it wakes you up, but that first clang of the helmet, you're like, okay, now we're in it. And your body kind of has a, has a response, like an adrenal response almost. You're like, okay, here, it's time to party. So I definitely agree. I think that's what you'll see. And I think it'll be a big part of the day is going to be about managing emotion, like you were talking about. Man, I think managing emotion offensively, just kind of keeping everybody even keel, um, and also, I, I love what you said about kind of finding ways to dictate to the defense, finding easy throws, finding opportunities where you can kind of control and regulate what that defense is going to do. So I think that's something, again, yeah, I'd love, you know, probably the first two drives, something I'll be watching a lot very closely. But I would expect them to get in some, I don't say unusual personnel groupings, but maybe some different personnel groupings just to see if they can get kind of say, oh, hey, we're going to get. It's like you know the one of the drawbacks with a three with a three four like Arizona runs is you get these big bodies on the field and that's that's a plus if you're trying to stop the run but if you're trying to stop the pass then it's not very effective you know what I'm saying so you create yeah. these big throwing these big gaping cavernous holes in the in the second level of your defense because you lose a coverage player it becomes a rusher or if you do drop them it's a big kind of guy who's not used to dropping in a coverage so I would expect. If I, if I was making a game plan, Logan Paulson, I would probably lean into some of that stuff a little bit, see if I could regulate the front. Because another thing, you can't run super complicated coverage structures if you're in a five-man pressure. Or you can, but you're going to have holes. So let's see if we can find some holes for Sam Howell and get the ball out of his hand quick like you're talking about and, and maximize what we're doing. So Yeah, um, last, last thing real quick. And by the way, I did a terrible hosting thing. 
I didn't tell everybody what's coming up at the end of the podcast. You did not tell anybody. I well, I forgot to remind you. So that's a terrible like. I'm not. A, I'm a, I guess I'm a co-host, right? Yeah, co-host you're season? definitely a co-host, but it's definitely not your responsibility. Don't don't you take this off my plate. This okay. is on me. Right. I'm talking to Mark Schlereth in a little bit, and yeah. that conversation's coming up uh, here at the, <laughs> end of the podcast. So uh, before we get to stink, uh, you know, people. The thing about a podcast though is like it's in the title, so people know. Yeah. Um, you know, hey, big mystery guest. Oh, the one that you put in the title and description of the episode. Anyway, the point is, uh, quickly to, to wrap up our portion here. Um, would you prioritize Sam or like getting touches for other guys? And the example I'll use is like, would you consider doing something funky with like Curtis as a wildcat or, you know, like when you put him in the backfield, like do some of the stuff to try to get Curtis a touch, you know, a little jet pass to Terry, something like that. Or are you prioritizing getting Howell in a rhythm, um, early in this game? hundred percent Sam Howell, but I think you can do both. So I think a yeah. screen to Curtis is an easy touch for Sam and it's an easy touch for Curtis a little jet sweep or, you know, bubble to Terry or like kind of an RPO to Terry or like that shallow cross concept that they ran so great against Baltimore. Love that, you know, find something where you can get your star. Everybody's getting a touch, but what is the easiest thing for Sam? And let's work backwards from that. So what's yeah. easiest for Sam and then who are we going to put in that spot to get that touch? Yeah, you, you said funky personnel groupings, and I was like, I don't know. How funky could we get? How funky uh, let's, can we get? Let's, let's keep Hal under center or behind center and shotgun. Uh, let's let's not throw him out anywhere funky. Uh, I, I mean, I think fun. you'll see something funky at some point. Yeah. But I I, but I, I would say let's, early. Let's, get him, let's get him going early is what I would say. Definitely. All right. Uh, so that's, that's that. Next time, Logan and I are talking into microphones. Sunday. Yes. Pre-game. Pre-game. The Take Command pre-game show. Live from Tap Sports Bar at Bet MGM, or at, sorry, at MGM National Harbor. Uh, so go. we will see everybody there. Uh, but next, here on the podcast, Mark Schlereth joins me for some talking uh, before he also talks into microphones on Sunday as he and Adam Amin are on the call for Fox. Stink next here on Take Command. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Our guest today on Take Command, former great Washington lineman, won three Super Bowl trophies, uh, also with the Denver Broncos. Uh, he's on the call this weekend for Fox Sports with my guy, Adam Amin. It's Mark Schlereth. Stink, welcome to Take Command. Oh, man, thanks. It's my pleasure. Great to be here. Absolutely. Uh, our pleasure to have you. And, um, you know, you, you came on the radio show with me over the summer and it talked about in many places beyond uh, the show with me about, you know, kind of your relationship with the franchise under Dan Snyder. Uh, for those that missed that interview, wasn't great. Uh, not your favorite guy, uh, which makes you, uh, you know, one of many. But for you to get to call this game, for you personally, before we get into the teams themselves, to be there week one of the Josh Harris era at a sold-out FedEx field, what's it mean to you? I think it's it's huge. You know, to me, it's uh, welcome back to the National Football League, Washington Commanders. It was, uh, we missed you. It's nice to have you back. And to get the love and, and just the sense of how important this is to 
just the commander faithful to to all the people who were you know a fan of the Washington football team, the Redskins, and now the Commanders. Um, it's it's really cool, and there's this feeling for me of um, the Wizard of Oz. For those who you don't remember the movie, the old time movie when. Dorothy kills the Wicked Witch of the West, and then all the you know all the henchmen of the Wicked Witch of the West line up and just say all hell Dorothy. You know they start marching around, they get all excited about it, and that's how I feel about the demise of Daniel Snyder. Like everybody is like, thank goodness we get to root for our favorite team again, and you know you get the sense that so many people walked away in disgust with what went on with this franchise. And I think back, and it's funny on my podcast, The Stinking Truth. Uh, I recorded it today. I'll release it on Friday. But I talked about how Washington, when I came into the National Football League, was one of the crown jewels, a jewel on the crown of the NFL and how far they have fallen. And to see them have that opportunity to regain the respect of the rest of the National Football League and, you know, and to go out there and compete and to not have that cloud hanging over them that is, you know, and that was Daniel Snyder. Um, I couldn't be happier for the franchise. I couldn't be more excited about calling the game. Yeah, no, it's great that you get to be there. Um, and, you know, obviously looking forward to watching you on Sunday. Well, those of us that won't be there, luckily I'm going to get to swing by. My ter- Actually, Mark, my first time at FedEx Field since 2019. Um, so I've also stayed away from that terrible wow. place. But it is finally, as you know, the traffic and just getting there was something that actually the ownership has talked about. It's brutal. It sucks. And so to to actually feel like going to the game in person is worth it um is something that i think a lot of people haven't been able to say in a long time and certainly myself included on mm. that front um also there's hope on the actual field um sam howell obviously the center of that so much talent so much upside but very unproven what have been your first impressions of sam based off the dallas game last year and what you saw from him in the preseason this year yeah i think um i think one is excitement about potential about the ceiling of of Sam Howell like there's no question he's a really talented guy I think like a lot of young quarterbacks one of the things I saw throughout this preseason was a guy that occasionally um and I think this is all young quarterbacks for the most part um when it comes to protection especially coming out of the college game protection is an issue and so what you see guys oftentimes doing is escaping the protection of the pocket because of the color that flashes. And oftentimes that color is picked up. You know, it's a late game. It's a twist game. It's a back coming from one side of the formation to the other side of the formation to picking somebody up. And what, what, you, too, what you see oftentimes is young guys don't trust it. So they automatically flush before they're forced to flush. And when you flush out of the protection of the pocket, now, you know, you're eliminating you're eliminating half of your receiving core, right? And you're getting to one side of the field. And oftentimes what ends up happening is you miss big time designed opportunities because you're a little bit quick out of the pocket. And, you know, it was interesting. I got a chance to talk to Drew Locke um, this preseason. I did some, I did the Seattle Seahawks last preseason game. And I went out to practice for two or three days. And Drew Locke was a young quarterback in Denver where I live. And I talked to to him about like just the maturation process of being that young guy that got an opportunity to start, didn't work out, go to Seattle, back up. And, you know, and and there's a belief in Seattle that Drew Locke can be a really good like starting quarterback. And I asked him, what's, you know, what's been the biggest change for you? He goes, 
trusting protection. I didn't understand protection. Like in college, you know, we were either spread, get the ball out right now, or we were seven-man protections, flag a play action, and shoot the ball deep down the field. So I never had to worry about re-identifying a mic. I never had to worry about term protection. I never worried about who my hot guy is, you know, and how to get to that guy. And the NFL is different that way. You've got to understand that protection, and you've got to be able to trust it. And you've got to be able to be a great scram, a great scrambler within the pocket, manipulating, moving, not seeing the rush, feeling it, moving away from it, staying in that pocket that provides you that protection so that you can deliver the ball down the field. And, you know, I saw a couple plays in this preseason that had you been able to stay a hair longer, had you trusted it a hair more, you're talking about an incomplete pass. It's a 30-yard, 30, 30 you know, 30-yard kind of explosive play. And the way it's been broken down for me over the years, that when you create an explosive play, so it depends on who's defining explosive plays, but oftentimes NFL teams define that as a 10-yard plus running play. Some some people put it at 12, but 10 yards plus running play is an explosive run, and 17 yards plus passing plays an explosive play. Some teams put it at 20. But the overall thought process, every explosive play is about the equivalent of 2.6 points when you hit an explosive. So that's that's the equation. Like you cannot literally, it's almost impossible to put a scoring drive together without a couple of explosive plays within that scoring drive. It's yeah. almost impossible to go, you know, to go six yards, five yards, eight yards, four yards, two yards, eight yards, six yards, four without blowing yourself up, having a holding call, a false start, uh, illegal formation something that puts you behind the chains that you have to punt. And so those explosive plays are incredibly valuable. And when you miss one because you see color flash and you're like, oh, I don't know if it's picked up. I got to get out of here. Th that's the problem with young quarterbacks. And that's the maturation that Sam Howell is going to have to go through. No doubt. And I'm so bummed that uh, the timing didn't work out that Paulson couldn't be here because I would just sit back at this point and be like, all right, you guys talk about protection. Uh, for right. I can tie in that he is. Um, but I, I think that, you know, to my knowledge level, this is definitely something that I saw in the preseason as well. And you hear coaches talk about with him and, and you see it in those preseason games. And I'm curious, like as a former O-lineman yourself, like what the conversations are like between line and quarterback, um, not just in terms of, hey, man, we had you like we we had it like trust us, go, go attack. I right. mean, um, maybe there's, you know, a Charles Leno, a more veteran guy that has that conversation with Sam, but also, you know, setting up in the first place correctly, what the communication is like between, say, a center, Nick Gates, uh, for, in Washington's case, and Sam to set the protections in the first place to make sure that you're in a position to succeed. Because I think that's something we saw last year a lot. Obviously, different quarterback, different OC. But there yeah. were times that the right protection call just wasn't there. Everyone executes and the quarterback gets blasted because they they didn't have it called properly. So what's the the, the communication like? Uh, you know, Obviously, it's not happening at the line of scrimmage. The play clock's ticking down. But you know, between whatever coaches are involved, the offensive lineman and the quarterback to make sure that you're set up to succeed in the first place. Yeah, well, it depends. Every team is a little bit different. And um, I'm a believer in, in my day, we always set the protection. So we would get a protection call and then we would set it. And if we wanted to cheat it, you know, and re-identify Mike or cheat it beyond one guy to a, a slot corner or something of that nature, depending on the defensive look you got, we had the freedom to do that, and we could call it out on our timing. The problem that you get into when you let quarterbacks decide 
from their vantage point is obviously a lot of times a quarterback will see something that he thinks is coming, a blitz that he thinks is coming, or, you know, want to change or re-identify a mic. And he gets to it late and, you know, he goes from, hey, 52 is the mic, 52 is the mic. No, no, 47, 47, set up. And then the communication doesn't get passed down from center to guard to tackle to tight end to, you know, backside guard, depending on the slide and all those things. So I'm a big believer, especially with young quarterbacks, we set the protection. We tell you where we're going and, you know, the four downs plus one or however we're doing that. We let you know what we're doing. And therefore, we're in charge of that. And now you have to understand where you're hot and where you're not, where you're picked up. And so the understanding of that protection, to me, is paramount to success of the quarterback. If you don't understand where you're not picked up, um, you know, and and you don't understand who's hot and who's not, like you're going to get absolutely lambasted in the pocket. And a lot of times what you'll hear is announcers that don't understand protection going, well, you know, this offensive line isn't very good. And I'm like, no, 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 that's the, that's a, 100% on the quarterback. You've got to understand those things. So I, I like to take as much off a young quarterback's plate as possible, right? They always say, hey, the best friend of a young quarterback is a running game. Like three things, a running game, great defense, and a tight end, right? Like middle of the field, you know, the little spot routes and, <clears throat> you know, spacing concepts where you get the ball – Scat Hank stuff, you know, where you get the ball to that guy in the middle and, and you get an automatic six, seven yards, and now you keep yourself in front of the chains. If you can do that consistently, well, a young quarterback's got an opportunity to thrive. And so that that game is really important. And I, I'm a big believer that Nick Gates and the rest of the guys up front should be in charge of that, especially with a young quarterback. Yeah, no, that's that's a hundred percent what happened to them in the preseason too, where you know the the pressures that happened in those games were on Sam. Um, not a lot of snaps, and I'm not saying the offensive line is a hundred percent a point of uh, certainty mm-hmm. here by any stretch of the imagination, but the pressures they did see in the preseason were definitely on Sam and uh, his inability to get the ball out, know where he's hot, the exact stuff that you're talking about. I also saw. Um, a quote from you. Uh, I, I don't know whether you talked to Nikki Javala for a story or whether she pulled it from yeah, somewhere else. I did. But, yeah, yesterday, um, Nikki. Yeah, so she had this great quote from you about what you saw from Sadiq Charles on tape in the preseason. You were a big fan of what you've seen from him, which I think is interesting because I think the narrative here, Mark, was was shaped a little bit by how much time he missed and people were frustrated. You got to see him when he got out there, and that's ultimately what matters, what happens when you produce so long that he stays on the field. What did you like so much about Sadiq, and, and how do you feel about the rest of that offensive line from what you saw in the preseason? Uh, well, Sadiq is a full-grown-ass man, and... Um, <laughs> Sure is. And he was like, uh, there's a couple things. One, that dude is a powerful individual, like a powerful individual. And his steps, his steps and his body mechanics, um, his quickness off the ball and, and, and his angles and his technique to funnel guys where he wants it. Like he he put on a preseason masterclass in dominating the line of scrimmage. Like I've, I've read articles, you know, and I read you know, they, every, every day Fox sends me like all the commanders articles, all the Arizona articles, right? You, you read, you know, you're trying to develop storylines and you're trying to look at the teams and I'm studying film and I'm doing all these things. But, you know, I kept hearing, Hey, Dotson is going to, you know, this is going to be a breakout pro bowl year. And it may be, it may be. And he's an incredible talent. I couldn't take my eyes off Sadiq Charles. Like he was dominant. 
in the preseason. And, you know, the preseason is interesting because oftentimes you're very static. You're not showing a lot of motion. You're not showing a lot of game planning stuff. You're just running plays as opposed to running your offense. So to dominate in the preseason when a lot of it's just one-on-one and you're not setting, you're not setting guys up, you're just letting them go out there and play. To dominate in those conditions is like that's the toughest time. That's the hardest place to dominate. Um, so I was thoroughly in, impressed with him. I thought Nick Gates played well in the preseason. Uh, Leno is a you know is a professional player. He's good. Um, you know I think I think um, the right side. There's a little bit of question mark. Sam Cosme. Um, you know going inside the game happens so much faster inside than it does outside. And you saw him at times with, with you know, just bad sets, bad footwork. Um, he's a tall, big, tall, land giant type guy. So leverage sometimes becomes a problem inside there. Um, but I, I certainly see, you know, I certainly see this offensive line. Once you put a game plan together and you start calling the offense as opposed to calling plays, which the enemy will do once the season starts, um, I definitely see this offensive line gelling. You know, it's been a question of weakness and, and people talk about it. But let me just say, you can take <clears throat> average guys up front and make them really good. You can take good guys up front and make them excellent as a group. And so, and that comes with play callers. Um, when you start calling the offense so that your guys have opportunities to change up sets, to change their techniques up, um, to vice different guys, you know, to, to change up the one-on-ones, to get double teams across the board, to do all those things that we do, you know, as the secret kind of mushroom society that we are. Um, <laughs> that's, that's when you have a chance to be really, really good. And, and I see that, I see that potential. Um, we'll see if it happens. You know, I mean, Eric Bianami is an interesting case study. Um, and I don't know Eric well, but he was a CU guy. Um, you know, probably when I was playing for the Broncos, the one thing about, about the enemy is he was classically trained in the kind of Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, wide zone, West coast offense. And then he's kind of melded that together with what he learned in Kansas city with Andy Reid, who, you know, probably lost the Super Bowl because he refused to run the ball against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like that was the ultimate in football hubris. And I think you saw the change for Andy Reid last year, running the ball more effectively, understanding the value of that, especially with guys who are, you know, beat up on the offensive line. So uh, it'll be interesting to see exactly what kind of how he melds those two kind of philosophies together, because you got a couple of backs to me in Washington that um, that are top notch players. Yeah, no, I very excited to see how that comes together. Last thing I ask you about stink on the way out is the other team. Um, what I mean, Arizona, everyone's kind of looking at them like, what are they doing? It's easy to laugh at them. They're still NFL players over there. It's week one. We haven't seen anything yet. But what do you make of Arizona um, without us having actually seen them on the field this season so far? Well, I, I will tell you this. They're trying to, like we talked about walking and reintroducing themselves to the NFL with their ownership. Um, Arizona's trying to reintroduce themselves to the NFL with an actual legitimate NFL system. And that's going to take some time. Jonathan Gannon was the defense coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, a really good coach. Um, 
you know, gets gets buy-in from his players. But you have to understand what Arizona's done the last few years, you know, drafting um, Josh yeah. Rosen, yeah, yeah, who's been with like seven different teams. You know, he was the, the most qualified NFL quarterback, quote-unquote, and now he's been with six or seven teams. And then dumping him after a season and going after Kyler Murray and going after Cliff Kingsbury, you know, and running this, this janky college offense in the NFL. And they were talented enough over the last few years to, you know, score late in the half, you know, score late in the game, um, compile some meaningless stats and touchdowns, and to make you, I call it the, the illusion of competitiveness. They would give you the illusion that they're a competitive football team. They're garbage. Like they were, they didn't do anything to me that is endemic of winning in the National Football League. But they would play you close enough to make everybody thinks that you know everybody think that they're close. You know, they get four or five wide receivers in the spread offense. You know, and they make some plays. But the bottom line is they couldn't dictate in any game. They couldn't hold leads. They just they just are not built that way. So Jonathan Gannon has come in there and said, hey, man, I know we're not very talented. But we're actually going to run the ball. We're actually going to control the line of scrimmage. We're actually going to do some things that, uh, that this, this franchise hasn't done in a long time. And so we're going to try to shorten some games. We're going to try to, to live that way. Quarterback is an issue right now. You know, I, I believe that Joshua Dobbs will start, and that's just based on my knowledge of football and watching Joshua Dobbs versus uh, versus Clayton Toon. Um, you know, Clayton Toon ain't ready for primetime, <laughs> and a, a lot of the a lot of the issues that we talked about with Sam Howell in a protection, but um, just a lot of especially outside the numbers, a lot of errant throws, a lot of really just bad looks. So um, I think that's the direction they'll go. But I will say this about them. Um, you may not know the players' names, but defensively, they're really talented. And, and they play really – they play hard now. In the preseason, they, they flew around. They played their butts off. And they're a very talented defensive football team. And so, like, that part, they'll give you – you know, they'll give you um, a full day's you – know, full day's work on the defensive side of the ball. And so, like, I don't think they're going to be – you know, oh, and seventeen, like everybody thinks, but they lack they lack some well, they lack some some talent. They off they lack some talent at the quarterback position. Let's just be frank. And so you know, and then they're trying to implement a, a real live NFL system. And and I will be frank. Also, they just don't have a tight end that can block anybody. So that's concern. You know, but that's not how they were built, right? They were built on. We don't care if you can block. Let's just have everybody be a receiving tight end. Let's just spread this thing out. And, you know, let's play college football in the national football. I'm sorry. You know, there's portions of it that work. I understand that. But it's it can't be where you hang your hat. And um, and so they've, they've got a lot of work in front of them. But I don't think they're going to be the rollover that everybody thinks they're going to be. That's interesting. Um, first time in Ron Rivera era that uh, the commanders are favored by more than a touchdown. It might even be double digits this point so um but then again that you know vegas vegas doesn't exist to actually set lines they exist to make money so uh, yeah. we will see what ultimately happens on sunday if you're watching it on television you will see this man there along with adam amin on fox sports uh stink hopefully i'll get to swing by the booth and say hello in person safe travels out this way and uh thanks for coming on the podcast i appreciate that and uh give logan my best sorry we couldn't connect
We will. And hopefully uh, if you guys have another one later in the year, we'll make that happen. Thanks, Mark. All right. Sounds good. Take care. Thanks for watching this clip of Take Command. First, why don't you why don't you like it? It lets other people know that it was good, and then they should watch it too. And Logan, we have a new exclusive home for full episodes. We do. 1067 the fans YouTube page. Go check it out and please subscribe. Yeah, do do what Logan said. Do He's it. Very, very smart. <laughs>